Well, good morning. Wow, I am loud. Are we good? Okay. Well, cowering is a natural response to fear. We instinctively hide from things when we perceive danger. We have a couple of dogs in our house, and they're a perfect example of this reality. Uh, when they hear a loud noise, they'll run and hide somewhere, and you have to go find them, which is why the 4th of July is a traumatic experience for those two dogs, because in our neighborhood, we live outside the city limits, so the 4th of July is like a war zone. I mean, there are fireworks going throughout the night, and so those dogs go hide in a corner or get underneath the bed, and you cannot get them to come out to save your life. Uh, they perceive danger. And as you think about that, as humans, we're really not all that different. We uh, hide when we perceive danger as well. It's actually a protective response in our brain known as fight or flight. You've heard of that. It's instinctive. It's a part of how we were created. Uh, If we encounter danger and we see a way of escape, we take it. We don't think about it. We instinctively flee. For example, if you were walking into uh, out of the woods ranch through the grass and you hear this noise, can't really hear that, can you? Can you hear it? Well, I promise you, if you're walking through the grass and you hear that down at the ranch, you will instinctively freeze. And if you're smart, you'll locate where that sound came from and you'll run in the opposite direction. That's the flight experience. That is what it means to to flee when you see danger. But what about the fight experience? Well, the fight is, is interesting because it's just the opposite. Instead of running from danger, you actually run to danger. That's how you can explain someone who sees an individual trapped underneath a car and runs to the car to lift it up in order to free that person. It makes no sense at all, but your body has a physiological response to allow you to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do in order to rescue someone else. That's the fight experience. Now, I want to take that very same concept and apply it to our spiritual lives. When we encounter the danger of persecution, do we flee or do we run to rescue? Do we prefer to isolate and withdraw for our own protection or do we enter in in order to rescue someone else? You see, I believe that is a very real decision that Timothy and the Christians that lived during that time had to make. The Roman Empire has turned on Christians. If they wanted to protect their reputation, in many cases their life, they had to hide their faith. They had to withdraw from the culture to protect themselves. Or, with great risk to their life, they could choose to enter in in order to rescue someone else. That was the decision that they had to make. As I think about that, I don't know that we're all that different today. Now, we may not face that same level of persecution, but it's increasingly uh, unpopular to be a Christian these days. In fact, it's even confusing at times to understand what that word even means anymore. So, we can choose to hide our faith out of embarrassment or fear. We can withdraw and isolate ourselves from the world around us. Or we can choose to enter in, engage with the world. Because we believe that we have a life-saving message in the gospel. We face the very same decision as they did. So that's why Paul's words to Timothy are so relevant to us this morning. 
Let's pray that we can take that to heart. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we want to do so humbly. We want to be teachable. We want your spirit to work in our heart in ways that you convict us of what is true, what's right, what is good. And if there are things that we hear that don't align with how we live, would you give us the courage? Would you give us the strength? Would you empower us by your spirit to make those changes moving forward so that we might live faithfully as a child of God, even when we live in a sin-cursed world? Lord, this is our prayer, and we ask this in your name. Amen. You would turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. We'll pick up where we left off last time, so if you want to follow along. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel, according to the power of God. So remember, Paul is in prison. He is awaiting execution. Uh, The Christians are outcasts in a world that is filled with moral depravity. Persecution would have been a common experience for those who openly followed Christ. They faced real decisions, so the real danger. So the question is, how would they respond? Well, Paul is writing to encourage Timothy to encourage them to enter in. He says, "Do not be ashamed." Now, what's interesting is that word "ashamed" literally means to withdraw due to a lack of confidence. So, what Paul is saying here is, don't. Hide out of fear. Don't withdraw in order to protect yourself. Join me in suffering for the sake of the gospel according to the power of God. Now this is an important message for you and I because our natural tendency is to avoid suffering. Am I right? Our natural tendency is to run from danger. We see things hard. We look for a way out. We flee. That's what we do. But Paul is telling Timothy, resist that intention and decide instead to enter in. Because the gospel is worthy of your suffering. You may remember in Acts, I thought of this as you were mentioning your example, Brandon. But when Peter and John in this example were uh, in prison for proclaiming the gospel, they were later beaten for having done so. But the scripture says when they were released, they rejoiced. For being considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. You may remember when Jesus is speaking uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Even later in this uh, letter that Paul writes to Timothy. He's going to say, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will encounter persecution. So instead of, of looking at something uh, as suffering as something to avoid, Paul is saying, look at suffering as something to embrace. And not some masochistic way as, as if you're getting some pleasure from pain, but instead as a realistic expectation of living out your faith in a sin-cursed world. Embrace that reality. Because let's be honest, the message of the gospel, the message of the cross, Scandalous. The crucifixion was a sign of death. It was defeat for the criminal. And yet we claim it 
as our victory. From the world's perspective, that's crazy. That makes no sense at all. But don't let their opinion cause you to shrink back from what you know is true. God proved his love on the cross. He demonstrated his power in the resurrection. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. That's the gospel. And that's what we believe, and it's of eternal significance. So stand strong. Paul says, join me in suffering. I think he says that because part of our strength is being able to stand together. It's a lot easier to stand up for what you believe when you're not standing alone. But I also think he's not saying that this is some internal fortitude or even that there's strength in numbers. Paul's strength is in accordance, he says, to the power of God. So like we talked about last week, this is not some spiritual pep talk telling Timothy to be confident in his abilities. No, he's telling Timothy to be confident in God's power, not in his abilities. You may not have what it takes, Timothy, but that's okay because he does. He will equip you for whatever he has called you to do. So, preach and teach that we might stand boldly for the sake of the gospel. Don't keep your faith a secret in order to protect your reputation. Don't withdraw from the culture out of fear, but instead enter in. Because we believe the gospel is a life-saving message. So be confident to live out your faith even in a sin-cursed world. Look at how he continues in verse 9. And this is why. This is our motivation. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed from the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The message of the gospel is a life-changing truth. It has the power to save. And we know that's true because he saved us. He called us with a holy calling. What Paul is trying to do here is he's trying to make it personal. This is not some theory. We know it to be true from our own experience. He saved us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved, through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, and not as a result of works that any of us can boast. What that means is that we proclaim the message of the gospel from our own personal experience. Our salvation has introduced us into a relationship with God, and we live in the reality of that relationship. To as many as believe, to them they give the right to become children of God. So when we respond to his call, he adopts us as his own. He rescues us from the domain of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's our experience. That's what we know to be true. Our life and our destiny is dramatically different because of who we are in Christ. We are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. 
we no longer are a slave to selfish desires. Why? Because sin is no longer our master. We have been set apart for a divine purpose. We have the privilege to proclaim the life-saving message of the gospel. So why in the world would we keep silent from the world? It's like having the cure for cancer and refusing to tell anyone who has the disease, especially after you've been healed. But I know. We're only human, right? And we flee instead of standing up for what we believe. We become more concerned about our reputation than his reputation. We withdraw and isolate ourselves from the world for our own protection. That's what we do. It's a normal human instinct, which is the very reason I believe Paul writes these letters and says these words. He's speaking to that reality. But here's what's important for us to understand. We typically run out of fear, don't we? Remember the snake? <laughs> when we perceive danger, that's why we run. That's why we flee. But the message of the gospel takes all fear away. Because it tells us not even death is something to fear. It says that Christ abolished death. He has risen from the grave and he is no longer to be mastered by death. And what is true for him is equally true for us. Which is why in scripture when it talks about a Christian dying it says they sleep. It's as if they close their eyes and they wake up in eternity. That's our reality. So if we remove death as the ultimate fear, now, now we can focus on the rescue. Instead of withdrawing from the world for our own protection, we can enter in. Think again about that person trapped underneath the vehicle. If I see that one day, I'm not going to see that and then turn and walk the other way. I'm going to try to do something. And, and so would you. And that's Paul's point. If you can do something, you should do something. Enter in. Don't walk away. Look at how he continues in verse 11. For which I was appointed a preacher, speaking of the gospel, a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Sound familiar? Think about it, right? This is how Paul engages with the culture, engages with the world around him as a preacher, as an apostle, and as a teacher. As a preacher, he proclaims the good news of the gospel. He is unashamed of the testimony of the Lord and the power of the cross. As an apostle, he is one who has been appointed and sent by God. He speaks with divine authority. He has surrendered his life to the will of God. As a teacher, he explains the truth of God. He helps us understand how God's word applies to our daily life. That's how Paul is committed to engaging with the world. He's going to live out his faith unashamed. He will embrace suffering if that's where it leads for the sake of the gospel. But I also want you to notice that Paul doesn't gain his conviction based on head knowledge. He says his faith was not based on 
facts or, or scientific proof. His conviction does not come from what he knows. It comes from who he knows. Look what it says in verse 12. I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced from my experience that he is able. Paul is speaking from his own personal experience of his own walk with Christ. He knows that God is able because he's convinced from his own experience. He's trusted in God, and he's found that he's faithful. He's obeyed God's word, and he's seen how that truth has transformed his life. He has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Paul's not trusting based on some theoretical knowledge. This is an experiential reality. Verse 12, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able. And then he goes on in that same verse and says, God will guard what I have entrusted him until that day. What I think Paul is referring to here is his faith. He has surrendered his life for the sake of the gospel. And Paul knows that he will not be disappointed in that moment that he stands before the throne of God. He will have no regrets. He will not regret that he was single, never got married. He will not regret that he lost his job, that he lost his reputation, that he lost his popularity, all for the sake of the gospel. He will not regret anything he lost for the sake of Christ. Because the reward of salvation will far surpass the pain of any suffering. In fact, the scripture tells us that Suffering produces an eternal weight of glory that's far beyond all comparison. And I believe, at least in part, that weight of glory is the face of Jesus himself. Our faith becomes solid. And at that moment, it's worth it. We are eternally protected by the promise of God. That's what Paul believed. And that's how he engaged with the culture around him as a preacher, as an apostle, as a teacher. But what about you? How is your life oriented to the cause of Christ? Do you embrace suffering for his name's sake, or do you run the opposite way? And it's okay. Be honest with yourself. Maybe it would be helpful if we looked at it this way. Remember that idea of someone being trapped underneath a car? I want you to consider how the world is trapped under the weight of of sin. And you and I both know that reality because we see it every day. We see it in racism. We see it in broken marriages. We see it in broken lives all over the place every day. But when you see it, will you turn and walk away or will you choose to enter in? Will you withdraw from the world or will you run to the rescue? If, if we want to be faithful in our calling, if we want to run to the rescue, then it has to begin with being unashamed. Unashamed of the gospel because we believe it has the power to save. And how do we know that? Because we have experienced that reality for ourselves. Don't withdraw from the culture out of fear. You have a cure for the disease and you know that it works because Christ has forgiven you. And so if that's what's been your experience, then why would you keep that away from those around you? 
Can you see the reality of what's wrong in the world? Broken marriages, racism, broken lives, cynicism. Really, that's Paul's message to this next generation of Christians in the Ephesian church. That's what he's writing to Timothy for. And really, that's why we need to hear it today. We need to, to move. We need to engage. We need it now more than ever, perhaps. Tolerance and acceptance is a devil's scheme. Spiritual apathy is like seeing someone pinned under a car and then choosing to turn and walk away. None of us would do that. So why would we ever do it with the life-saving message of the gospel? If we can help, we should. And that's Paul's point. Now, I want you to hear me on this, though. We cannot share the gospel unless we live the gospel. We cannot share the gospel unless we live the gospel. We have to speak out of the experience of our own reality. And that can be hard because sometimes it's hard just trying to be faithful to live in a sin-cursed world just day to day. It's hard to, to fight for your marriage when everybody else says, ah, just walk away. It's hard to fight your, for your family when your kids just reject the counselor that you know doomed to try to lead them in the right direction. It's hard to fight for integrity if you're the only one. It's hard to fight for reconciliation when it's so much easier just to let it go and move on. It's hard. But when you see the gospel come to life in those very same situations, now you have a story to tell. When God is sufficient to carry you through, and that becomes your experience, you know that he is able. You are convinced in your heart from your own experience. You know what you believe, and you know that he is able. And now you have a story to tell. You're unashamed. I love the way a, a preacher from Zimbabwe once talked about this idea of being unashamed. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus, and I am unashamed. What would it look like in our world today if the church came alive with that same conviction? And instead of protecting ourselves from the world around us, we made a decision to enter in. Why? Because we have nothing to be ashamed of, and not only that, we have nothing to be afraid of. Because the ultimate fear of death has ultimately been abolished by Jesus Christ. And so we can remove both of those and enter in with great assurance. And be able to speak from our own experience because we have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred from the kingdom of his beloved son. We are a new creation in Christ. We have seen how old things have gone and how new things have come. That's our experience. And so instead of turning and walking away, we can enter in because we have the answer for the rescue. We have the cure for the disease. 
And we want people to know that. That's what Paul wants Timothy to tell the Ephesians. Don't run and hide. Enter in. If there's ever a message that we need to hear today, that's it for us. Don't run and hide. Enter in for the sake of the gospel. Power of prayer. It amazes me, Lord, how we can look at words that hundreds, in some cases thousands of years old, and wonder how in the world can something that old be relevant to our life today. Well, we have many Sundays like this, and we realize very easily when it's inspired by the Spirit of God. It's relevant in every age for every person. What we need to hear today is the very same thing I believe that the Christians in Ephesus needed to hear as Paul wrote his letter to Timothy. Facing the own reality of his death and knowing that they would face persecution in their life because of the way the world had evolved. Father, I don't know that we're any different in our world today. It's so easy for us to isolate ourselves from the world around us, to protect out of fear instead of choosing to enter in for the sake of the gospel. Would you give us courage? Would you help us to rely on the experience of what we know to be true from how we've seen you at work in our lives, in our marriage, in our families? And then would we be able to take that conviction and be able to share with others the rescue that is promised in the life-changing message of the gospel? I pray that people from Melanie Park will choose to enter in. They will run to the rescue for the sake of the gospel. Pray this in your name. Have a good day.